0: The following resource is brought to you by Real Life Community Church in Richmond, Kentucky. We hope you're both challenged and encouraged by this message. So this morning we're going to be in James, the first chapter, verse 19 through 27. If you'll stand with me this morning as we read God's Word, I'll be reading out of the English Standard Version. It starts out by saying, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Be a doer of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer he is like a man who is in uh who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like but the one who looks into the perfect law the law of liberty and perseveres being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts he will be blessed in his doing if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religious religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. That's the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to share your word this morning. I ask that it's your words that go forth and not mine. God, that you have your way in every aspect of this service. God, that you be glorified in all that we do in Jesus' name. Amen. Worship team, thank you so much. So before we dive into this message, I think it's important to have context when we're reading because when we read the Bible, we need to understand that we're not the original audience. I talked about this on Sunday to my, or on Friday to my small group, that there was an original audience that this was written to. And we are an audience as well, but we're different than the original audience. We have some differences and we have some similarities. So when we look at Scripture, we need to understand how it was written and what the meaning was when it was written to the original audience and then understand how we're different than the original audience and how we're similar and then bridge the gap to where we are now and how it impacts us today. So when we look at the letter of James, number one, we can figure out that it was written by James. That's astute. That's an astute observation. But which James wrote this? And it's James, the half-brother of Jesus. When we look at this, it's incredible to me that in the first verse of James, James doesn't come out and say, I'm James, the half-brother of Jesus. He actually starts by saying, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's his boast. When, when he's trying to establish credibility with the audience, his boast is, I was the half-brother of Jesus. His boast is, I was a servant and am a servant of God and of Jesus. That should be the boast of every Christian, that we're not trying to establish accolades, but our number one accolade is that we are a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Each and every person so when we look at who he's writing to James writes and he's writing to Jewish Christians these people had Jewish blood they were from the Jewish family but they have converted to Christianity and at some point along the way something's went wrong they they've slipped into some type of misconduct we don't know exactly what it is but there's something going on and they're not putting their faith into practice And what's happening is, it seems like the church that James is speaking to, the group of Christians that James is speaking to, they go from in the world to following the word, to following the world, to following the word. It's almost like we see that happening today, that we keep shifting back and forth. And what James is doing is he's addressing that throughout his entire text. So, when we look at this, verse 19 through 21, he says this, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear slow to speak, and slow to anger. If we could take that, it solved 99.9% of our problems, probably. James instructs us to listen, to listen, to actually listen, to be slow to speak and quick to listen. This is something that I've been working on in my personal life because for the longest time when I would listen to somebody, I was crafting a response to what they were saying in my head while they were talking, getting ready to respond back. And my goal now is to actually listen to what the other person has to say before I craft a response. Flip pages here for a second. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. This is a hard thing to do. Sometimes it's uncomfortable to do. When you listen to somebody that disagrees or you disagree with, and they're giving you their perspective, it gets uncomfortable. But this is something that we have to understand as Christians, is that we're not called to a comfortable life. Nowhere in the Bible does Jesus promise us to have a comfortable life. He actually calls us into a life of getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. He calls us to crucify ourselves daily and follow Him. To live a life that we're getting comfortable with being uncomfortable talking about how we can be more welcoming as a church. Part of it is being a little bit uncomfortable and walking up and introducing yourself to somebody. It's okay to sit somewhere new with some, some well, not, not now, with some family you don't know. Sorry, we're in the coronavirus. When it all breaks, I want you to sit with all kinds of different families. <laughs> but we want to be able to cross the, get out of our comfort zone and be able to hear what other people have to say. We're supposed to be a people that reaches out Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, verse 19 through 23, says this, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, for that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law I acted as one under the law, though not myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law. I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all people, that by all means, I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. So easy in our culture to get our priorities messed up. And our number one priority all the time should be to share the gospel and advance the kingdom. That's the number one priority. Paul says, I've become all things to all people so that I might win, so that I might win a few of them. Not all of them, but a few of them. That even if I could win one person, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Becca probably is tired of me saying that. That's like a mantra at our house, that we can get comfortable with being uncomfortable, doing new things and, and expanding and reaching out to new people. And sometimes she uses it on me when I, I don't want to try something new, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Number two, in this next portion of Scripture when, we, when we're looking at it, James invites us to a glorious exchange. He says to put away all filthiness, and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word. James here is inviting us to an exchange where we let down all of our past wickedness and rampant behavior, and in turn, we receive the word of God. The problem is, many times, we have such a tight clinch on our past that it's hard for us to receive the word, but we need to let that down. We got to crucify that thing. And move forward. It's a daily thing. I don't know how the Holy Spirit works with you. But it, how it works with me is he'll shine a light on, the, on one aspect of my life. And I'm like, okay, I've got to work on that aspect. And as soon as I get that aspect of my life kind of put together, he shines a light on another aspect of my life. And it's a constant thing where he's inviting me daily into this glorious exchange for laying down the old and picking up the new. So, James continues to say that if we've accepted this glorious exchange, we should not only talk about it, but we should also walk in it. Don't just talk the talk, but walk the walk. He says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So when we look at this, he first, James first invites us to receive the imputed word. That's hearing the word, that's receiving the word, that's getting it in during your personal devotion time. But when you receive it, you're blessed to be a blessing to go out and walk this out. So when we receive it, it's not to stay stagnant within you, but it's to flow out of you. The Dead Sea cannot bear life because it has no outflow. Everything's flowing into the Dead Sea, and the salinity level is rising. But if it had an outflow, the salinity level would decrease and it would be able to produce life. What happens to a lot of Christians is they have things flowing into them all the time, but there's no outflow, so they become stagnant and life ceases to exist. We have to be willing to go out and be an outflow, that we've received the implanted word, but we allow the Holy Spirit to have it take root in our hearts and to walk it out. Imagine a man woke up one morning and went into the bathroom. He looks at himself in the mirror and realizes that his hair's a mess, his eyes are bloodshot, he needs to shave, he needs to brush his teeth. But he says to himself, first I'll I'll go to breakfast. He sits down at breakfast and reads the newspaper, gets caught up reading the newspaper, and is almost late for work. So he runs out the door and goes to work and shows up with bad breath, messy hair, and not looking good. Unfortunately... Unfortunately, that's the state of many Christians in the church, is that we come to church or we read the Bible and we see areas of our life that need to be fixed. But then life comes, things happen, we get distracted and we never address them. Thank God we have the Holy Spirit that helps us to address them. But we should be able to look at the Word of God and adopt a posture that says, show me where I can do better. When I read my Bible during my devotion, I've said this multiple times. I might have even said it here. I look at what I'm reading, and I say, Father, show me where I'm wrong. I, you don't, he doesn't need to show me where I'm right, but he needs to show me where I'm in error, where I'm slipping, where I'm making mistakes, and then I can address them. So when I, I approach the Bible to read during my devotion time, I say, Father, show me where I'm messing up. Show me where I'm wrong. Correct my thoughts. I don't go to him to confirm my biases, but I go for him to tear them down. When I gave Jesus my heart, I therefore gave him my right to be right. And now, I no longer need to be right, but I need to stand on his word. I think that's the problem is so many of us want to be right when we enter a conversation. We want to we win the conversation. Well, Christ is, Christ is the victor. We can rest in that. You, you can quit fighting for the win. We have the victory in Christ. Jesus said in John, the 15th chapter, verse 1 through 2, he said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes. So it will be even more fruitful. What does this mean? It means, number one, if you're a Christian and you're connected to Jesus, he expects you to bear good fruit. It's an expectation. Number two is if you are bearing good fruit, the promise is God's going to cut on you a little bit. You're going to be pruned. Because he wants you to be more fruitful. See, I've said this a lot too. That God is satisfied with every step you take, but he is never pleased. That means when you, take, uh, when you take a step, I said that backwards. I said that backwards. God is pleased with every step you take. He's never satisfied. So when you take a step, he rejoices that you're taking a step in the right direction, but he's, the next thing he's going to say is take one more step. He's never going to be satisfied, but he's pleased when you're making the effort. And when you fall, thank God for grace. That you don't have to go back to the beginning, but he picks you up right where you are and say, keep on walking, keep on trucking. So the promise here is, number one, if you're connected to Jesus, he wants you to bear fruit. And number two is that the Father is going to prune you to become more fruitful. It's not always a glorious experience going through the pruning process. I don't know about you. For me, sometimes it's rough. But it's always good when I'm on the other side, when I go through it. I look back and I'm like, "Mm, that's why you did that." I didn't understand when we were going through it. I believe that each day we should look more like Jesus and act more like Jesus than the day before. But it takes diligence and it takes a discipline to continue to not only be a hearer of the word, but also a doer. So what does it look like to actually walk out being a doer of the word, actually walking in this thing. Well, James gives three very practical characteristics of what it would be in the next portion. We're starting at verse 26. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained. From the world. In this portion of scripture, James gives us what true and undefiled religion is, what it looks like to be a doer of the word. And the first thing he says is he says, number one, somebody that is a doer of the word that's walking this out, number one, they refuse self self deception and control their tongue. Those are both hard. As Christians, we're called to examine ourselves daily. And when we examine ourselves, we should be honest with ourselves. There's always areas that we can improve that we can get sharper at. And when we look at look to examine ourselves, we should not just be like, oh, we're good. I'm all good. It's okay. But where are there areas that I can improve? Where are there areas that I can grow and be honest about it? And be honest about it. That's the that's a huge, huge aspect of it. And then number two is to control your tongue. I think something that we struggle with is we think that our emotions dictate our reactions. When we dictate our reactions, our emotions are kind of separate. We can control how we react to our emotions and our emotions don't control how we react. That's a better way of saying it, that when, for me, I have red flags. When I know my emotions are getting worked up, I have little indicators that I'm like, okay, you need to calm down, Dakota. You got the indicator bells going off in your head, and step back, and that's part of me crucifying my flesh. When I feel those emotions getting built up, I feel like I need to respond to this comment on Facebook or something. I step back and say, that's your flesh talking right now, that's what's happening, and you have to crucify that thing and move forward, right? What, Literally, what would Jesus do in this instance? What, what, what is love in this is, instance? And remember, I don't always have to be right. That's important. The second point he gives us is somebody that's being a doer of the word, they show mercy and love to the oppressed, I hope you all are enjoying this. These masks, I have no idea what your facial expressions are, so I hope this is helping you this morning. I'm going to be honest. (laughs) I'm going for it, though, so here we go. He shows a follower of Jesus, a doer of the Word, shows mercy and love to the oppressed. As a follower of Jesus, we should be actively looking for opportunities to show mercy and love. I think sometimes we're like, I'll show mercy and love if it just comes across my doorstep. But Jesus calls us to a life of actively seeking out opportunities to show mercy and love. Active opportunities. My mentor was the greatest at it. We would just be going somewhere. Um, Mark was his name. And we'd be going somewhere, and he would just stop, and I'd be like, where did Mark go? He'd be back like 200, 300 feet praying with somebody. I just kept on walking. I didn't know what happened. But he was all the time doing things like that. Or we'd be in line at the grocery store, and he'd spark up a conversation right then. And then from that conversation, the person would be like, yeah, I lost my job, and this is what happened. He'd be like, let's pray right now. And then we'd be praying in the grocery line. It, it was such an incredible growth opportunity to see me, to have somebody I could actually see walking it out daily, actively seeking out opportunities to show mercy and love. Because that was his number one priority. And that should be our number one priority, not getting to the next appointment exactly on time. Yes, that should be in your priority list, Rebecca. But, um, <laughs> but, um, but your number one priority should be showing love and mercy and Jesus to the people around you. That should be the number one priority. I have to remind myself of that daily even at my job when I'm working on something I have to say remember the number one priority is that Jesus is glorified in everything and number three Zach can start playing number three is a doer of the word remains unstained from the world we should live in this world but not be consumed by this world Jesus prayed in John the 17th chapter I do not ask that you take them out of the world but that you keep them from the evil one if your only purpose on this earth was to get saved you would come up to this altar and go straight to heaven that would be incredible could you imagine where'd Bill go he went up to the altar on Sunday He's gone. But if you're alive and breathing, you have a purpose in this world, primarily to be a representative of Christ. And to do that, we have to be different from the world. We shouldn't blend in completely. There should be something different about us. We are called to be His representatives in this world. Will you stand with me for a second? I think it's so easy, so easy for me, I'll talk on my behalf, to get stuck in a place where I just go through the motions. And I have to constantly, Becca and I both constantly evaluate ourselves and each other and say, are we just going through the motions, or do we have the fire that God placed in our spirit? And constantly rekindling that and breathing oxygen on that fire that God gives us. So if you're in this room and, and you just feel like you're in a rut, I think it's a great day to just ask God to help you to rekindle that flame in your spirit and to no longer just be a hearer of the word, but a doer also.